Matt McInerney, New York. Andy Mangold, Baltimore, Maryland. Dan Auer, San Francisco. It's Monday, June 24th. This is On The Grid, episode 37. We finally talk about iOS 7 after sitting on it for a little bit. And I try to shed some light on what Friends of the Web and other developers will do in light of these radical changes. This is On The Grid. Let's Let's go. go. Gentlemen, how was your week? Fantastic. How was your week? Anything special? Um, Uh, You know, same old. Oh, okay. Um, Today was the the very first day that we started out in our brand new office at work. And oh, exciting. It, yeah, it is wonderful. We're actually sharing space um, with a, a uh, thing called Instructables. Have you guys ever heard of that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. definitely. So those guys are super cool. We get to share office space with them, and uh, we got to take a tour since it was the first day uh, of their new workspace. And they have like a a, a standard but a very nice woodworking shop a metal shop a electronic shop they have a sewing shop they even have like cnc machines a duct tape wallet stand yes <laughs> um they also have one of those have you seen like um it's uh it, it's like one of these maker machine things but it allows you to be able to color an egg like it actually holds the egg and they'll articulate a design on it um, the future is here yeah is they that have, what is that like a 3d printer i don't know what that is kind of it's like a 3d colorer if you will okay. like a 3d yeah. printer if you took away the stylus that's like printing plastic and instead replaced it with a magic marker yeah okay fair yep. enough. so anyways uh that is i guess just today it was a really good day oh, i'm so glad to hear it i like when you have good a good day you. puts a smile on my face <laughs> anything special with you andy no 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 it's not oh. just i was gonna say it's a busy week but then i decided that no it means it's a normal week and everything's normal and i shouldn't even mention it well thank you for thank you for finally admitting that you say that every single week <laughs> as we all do yeah We've even we've even talked about it. Some intros we only talk about how we talk about how busy the week was. So Ooh, yeah. What's why 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 is it worth mentioning? That's a now? riveting show. Let me tell you right there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's fucking let's get into it. Yeah. yeah. Fuck the intro. This is the worst. Let's just talk about oh. iOS seven. <laughs> make make a little intro noise. iOS 7. No, I mean, we intentionally put this conversation off because we were concerned about having the conversation too soon, right when iOS 7 came out and the design world kind of shit their pants collectively. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we sort of put it off for a while. And it's been, what, almost two weeks now since iOS 7 debuted at the WWDC. We've yeah, had long some enough time. that they even put out a beta 2 already. They did. So. They put out a beta 2 today. So we've had some time to sit with it. We've had some time to read blog posts here and there about the uh, about iOS 7. Where have you where have you dudes landed on this? I, I haven't lost my mind about it. Dan, did you lose your mind yet? No, I mean parts of it blows my mind, but I think that's as far as I got. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm full of terrible puns today. Honestly, I Is it's that not even a, huge... a pun? I don't know. It's a bad joke. There we go. Oh, yes, that's that's more well goodness. was it a joke about anything? I'm not sure it was a joke. I think you just said words. Are we podcasting legends yet? Is this show a phenomenon yet? <laughs> It would not shock me that it. Well, no, no. no it's like close. it's like no. Ira Glass and then us and then Garrison Keeler. I know they're radio people, not podcast people, but it's 2013. God damn it! Everyone's a podcast now. That's true. <laughs> All right. So look. I so mean, yeah, software. Let's. Here's the first thing I want to talk about. I want to talk about it and get it out of the way. Is I don't want to spend a bunch of time talking about graphic designers' reaction to iOS 7, which a lot of the blog posts were like reactions to everyone's reaction which to me is not worth talking about. I think everyone I think everyone was a little bit upset, a little bit caught off guard for good for better or worse. And uh some people said some things, maybe a little rash, uh maybe reacted a little strongly. We should just, you know, live and let live. It's the internet, it's all gone now. No one's going to find it ever again. So, I don't want to talk about that. Sure. Uh, let's dive into I want to talk about the actual product, the actual operating system that was shipped. Um, And one thing I do want to mention up top is, yes, it's a beta. Yes, it's not final. Yes, Johnny Ive had seven months to pull this team together and put it out into the world. And that's a really tight deadline for such a huge, huge rethinking of an entire operating system. Mm -hmm. But that said, 
It's just like coming to class for a critique and saying, oh, I only had uh, Saturday because I had my birthday on Friday. We're still going to talk about the work as it is. Can we agree on that? Yeah. We can agree on that. Cool. Totally. I think that's the most I think that's the most beneficial conversation we can have. Have either of you been able to play, play around with iOS 7? Do you have your phone set up for developer accounts and have you been using it? Yes. I have been using it day to day, but I have been able to play with it because there are some people in the office who do have developer accounts. So, mm-hmm. yes, I've been able to play with it and I've watched plenty of videos as well. So I feel like I feel like I don't get to talk about it in the way that where I've been interacting it with it for months, and this is the thing I use every day. But I, I think I have a pretty good feel for what's changed and what's new about it, and what I, I think you can say a philosophical shift has been made. What is that shift, Matt? Let's just get into it. The way I see it is the the shift has been made that we're past the point of teaching you essentially attempt to be honest with a little more honest in some of the metaphors that we make. I mean, I think the one of the big ones is that. It's now pretty much fully acknowledging that it's a backlit piece of glass and the IO, then the operating system is built around those visual metaphors, which is interesting to acknowledge. Like everything is a layered transparency. I think you could acknowledge that that is some sort of glass. And But just the simple departure from treat this like a real world envir- environment with ambient light to this is actually a backlit device that we can kind of play with those elements a little bit more rather than kind of mimicking real world environments is and it's an interesting departure for you know an interface that's been moving that direction for six iterations yeah that was one of the most like shocking parts of the whole keynote to me was just how aggressive they were when they were talking about getting rid of the skeuomorphism and all the jokes that were cracked on on behalf of like the old interface that looked like stitched leather and no cows were killed to make this app and it was almost as though they were making fun of the competition and not themselves so i think it definitely has been i mean jeff raskin leaving and he being a, a famous or infamous rather pioneer of, of the skeuomorphic design and of these sort of very strong metaphors to real life things i think him being gone really shows that the mentality of the rest of the people at Apple that are making these decisions and that are the higher ups is very much in favor of getting rid of that. And it's, you can see it in iOS seven, but it's worth noting that I don't think that that metaphor is completely gone. It's just, it's just very different now. And now we still have this sense of dimensionality and this sense of physical space and physics. It's just that the physics is now between the separate screens themselves, as opposed to being on the little tiny elements on each screen. Yeah, no, I think it's worth noting that people, like the the reaction that we just mentioned, like a lot of people seem to continue making the mistake that flat and skeuomorphism are opposites, which is totally not true. And they can they could potentially exist in the same interface. And also metaphor is not dead here. And I think metaphor is very powerful and we're not abandoning that, nor should we. No. And there's some people that think that a native digital interface would abandon all metaphor. And the fact of the matter is, I can't imagine that the average person's mind would be able to build a mental model of something that was f- totally free of metaphors for what we have in the physical world, especially for something as complicated as an entire operating system. Even we- just the fact that you have a certain amount of, of pixels on a screen, like you just can't, you know, icons are essentially a solution to the pixel problem and we're not ditching icons. So we're not ditching metaphor. Well, in the same light though, I feel like something that I haven't, figured out whether I agree with it or not. I, I like it. I just don't know how I really feel about it is that um, there's this whole parallax thing about the the operating system. Like if you're there on the home screen, you have the icons and then you have the background. If you move it around, the, they move on different planes. If you have a notification or a um, like a pop-up above those, then it's on a completely different plane than the other two. And I understand that metaphors are there to be able to communicate something, but that's something that isn't absolutely necessary. So it's one of those things that I feel like it's, it's fantastic visual flourish, but is it really necessary? And moreover, like, is there something about it that actually contributes to the rest of the operating system? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're well beyond necessity. So I don't think that the necessary conversation is really the, the important part of this. That particular interaction made me think of the early days of supply when you used to look at you know a product in the feed if if you would hover over it there would be a modal that would appear with all the different actions you could take on that product it was like buy the product by going to the website or add it to your supply list or whatever and the modal it was on would move sort of opposite the direction of your mouse as if the buttons wanted to be clicked like if you move you're moving your mouse from the left side of the image over to the right and the modal move from the center left words to meet your mouse Hmm. And I, I remember thinking it was the weirdest decision for, for someone to make, and it was so like a weird flourish and so totally unnecessary. And 
extra. And then I was reading a blog post months later from Ben Parrott, who was talking about that design decision. And he said that he felt that the modal before looked very heavy and sort of blocked off parts of the images of this product. And it felt very overbearing and too important. And he really wanted to relegate that to being this secondary thing that was just there because you needed it and would go away when you didn't want it. He wanted it to feel light. And uh, I, that's the same sort of sense I'm getting from a lot of the design decisions made in iOS 7 in that there's a lot of translucency. There's a lot of separating the background from the icon grid that's on top of it and really making this like spatial awareness of these different planes. And I think that that's probably, I think it pretty effectively helps break up those different sections of the interface into very distinct parts, mm-hmm. which I think is actually a good thing. Yeah, I think there are many different ways of doing it, and you could definitely say that the parallax view is a somewhat arbitrary or unnecessary. I guess you could say it's not necessary if you think about it in the context of like these layered panes and establishing that, um, but it is somewhat arbitrary in that you could do it in other ways. So I, I acknowledge that, but I actually, you know, it, I think it is an interesting flourish, but I don't think I don't think you lose a ton by turning it off or doing it in another way. Yeah, and a follow-up question to that, too, is that is there anything that you guys have interacted with um, natively or anything else that uh, actually feels less usable now than it was previously in the the past six iterations? Yeah, I I think that there are some things that, some small details that have definitely taken a hit with the latest redesign. And whether or not those are things that have been overlooked and they're going to get revisited and changed is irrelevant but where as i said now i do think there are small things that have taken a hit and the things that i think are worse are things that a avid iphone user somebody that's had an iphone for a couple iterations that's been around for ios 6 that's familiar with the patterns is not going to notice because they already know what to do but there's a lot of things i see that i can imagine somebody that's new coming to an iphone that hasn't used ios before struggling to understand and to sort of start to get the the design patterns for and i think that was one of the best things about ios 6 you know you can criticize the the shadows and the highlights and the scrimmerism all you want but the reality was like old people my mom babies could like pick up and figure out how to use the thing like my little nieces and nephews when they were like three could totally figure out how to use an ipad because it just made sense everything was very clear and it was almost like dumbed down to the point of just being super blunt and obvious Mm. which is actually kind of a nice thing, I think, and a, a good like paradigm to shoot for in interaction design. And I don't feel that at all with iOS 7. I feel like it's trying very hard to be edgy and new and different. And in that process, they're sacrificing a lot of the very understandable and very approachable design decisions that I think have contributed hugely to iOS's success over the past six or seven years, however long it's been. Some of, the, some of the best examples, I think, I mean, Koivin wrote on his blog about the back button being gone, which I think is a really great, concise example of something that is just much worse in iOS 7, no matter how you cut it, uh, which is to say that the old back button was, you know, a button shape that had an arrow built into the shape on the left side, which means that it always looked like a back button, whether you swap the content out so the, the button could say whatever word you were actually returning to and still make it clear it was a back button. And now it's this, you know, sparse Helvetica word within like a little icon next to it that loses all of that interaction. Um, and also Michael Heilman, I think it's how he pronounces his name, has a, a good series of posts, I think, on very similar little details that I think are probably missteps or at least oversights that I do think will contribute overall to the reception of iOS 7 to normal people, which is to say that I think we're very steeped in design methodology and the, and the technology world and all of the things we read are probably from that perspective. Uh, most people don't even know there's a new iOS and they won't know until their phone tells them there's a new one and they should press the update button. And I'm, I'm concerned about that moment when they press yeah. update and they get the mm. new screen. They're like, whoa, what's going on here? Well, that's actually th- this. I think this is probably the most interesting conversation to have about all this, because in some ways you can see this as the next step. Like, you know, the past iterations of, of iOS were training you to live in a touch world. Now we're there. You've been using this for years and we're going to, we're going to take a step forward and say, we're going to kind of like, I mean, think, think about the lock screen right now. The lock screen is the super obvious. Like there's a button that's a slide to unlock with an arrow pointing to the right. That says slide to unlock with the, you know, the little shimmer that moves in the direction. You're totally right. A child could figure it out. Uh, and they have figured it out. Everybody seems to be able to figure it out. And now we move to the simple piece of text that gives you the little hint um that you could swipe pretty much anywhere to get into the screen 
Uh, and I think every, you know, anyone who's been using it for years is kind of used to it and has been trained to do so. And I guess the question is, like, at what point do you make the jump and acknowledge that people are kind of used to these ideas of how to use a touch device and we can move forward? Or do we always have to be a little bit more obvious about our treatment of the design? Well, uh, part of that, though, I feel like is like a knee-jerk reaction to cater directly to somebody who's a first-time user. I mean, like the the old, the past six iterations were very obvious, very clear for anybody who would have been a new user to the system who didn't have to take much effort to get acclimated to something new. Um, the Despite where they had been in the past, if it was like an Android phone or just a feature phone or whatever. Looking at it now, no, I totally agree that just having the text and a little bit of a shimmer is not uh, super obvious up front, which could make it hard for somebody who's just starting out on the system. But I don't, I don't know if I agree that it's bad because um, it's, it's only bad for the first time user because somebody will get used to it. They'll, they'll learn the interaction over time and it's just a learned behavior. It might not be the most elegant way of doing it, but I don't feel like it's, it's the worst interaction. Wait, that, so you're saying, are you saying it's not bad for the first time user and it's bad for other people? No, no, no. I'm saying that like the new iteration uh, for iOS 7 is a little bit bad for a first time user. But I'm saying that um, that is probably in the context of designing something not for the first time user, but for somebody who will get used to that interaction over time. And that's a really fine line to walk. The, oh, the user will learn this, then they'll know it, and then we won't have to teach them anymore, and we can have these elegant solutions that rely on understood behaviors and patterns. Because the reality is that I think most people don't learn as much as designers expect them to and and don't retain as much as they expect them to. And even if you do have an understanding of how something is going to behave, there's still a frustration of not getting that affirmation, that like secondary confirmation of seeing the obvious visual cues telling you that something's going to do what it's expected you're going to do. And, and the example I point to all the time is uh, RealMac's Clear app, which is one of my biggest pet peeves because of <laughs> it's, you know, it's the gesture-based to-do list application. And I've never met a person that uses that app regularly and thinks it's great and, you know, loves it. I've met tons of people that think the design is brilliant and ingenious and groundbreaking in the future of touch interfaces and all that shit. But <laughs> reality is when you go to use it every single day, you have to like actively try to remember, all right, which way do I swipe to check it off versus delete it versus add a new thing versus get back to the other list, which gesture does what? And it, that's mentally taxing. And even if you end up guessing right and you, you got it, then you, the experience is still not smooth. It's not, sure. I don't know, it, it's, it's not, it's not as, as good as it could be. I, I've always felt that if you can get away with it and if it doesn't look gaudy and like you're belittling your audience, that the things that are best for first-time users, are often best for even power users, as long as you're not sort of getting in their way and, and adding extra steps to things. Making things clear and obvious is, is never a bad idea. Sure, but at the same time, I, I feel, going back to that same example, the decisions that they chose were justified. I don't know if they were done perfectly. Like, the, the reason why I think that even the the lock screen that exists in iOS 7 is better than 6 and everything before is um, based off of a few things. Like back in the past iterations, there was a slide to unlock. It was very obvious, but it was only a certain portion of the screen. Uh, once they removed that that literal button that was present, then they actually could have it to where the entire screen, if you swiped it off to the side, would unlock. I mean, that just being able to remove that sort of that visual indication of something existing, they're able to have a much bigger interaction area to be able to have to be able to unlock the screen. So, I mean, you know, visually, I feel like they still could have done a little bit more, but I do feel like just because something can help something make like an interaction a little bit more obvious, a lot of times it can get in the way of, of restraining the um, the amount of space that somebody can interact with or um, the, the even the space that they feel like they could interact with because they would only have to feel like they can only interact with a certain portion of the screen. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's not really solving a problem. I never had an issue unlocking my screen because I had to swipe in the bottom, you know, 200 pixels as opposed to anywhere on it. But, you know, I, I just have to live with it for a while to decide if that's actually something that's jarring. I haven't upgraded to iOS 7 yet because the eBay app is broken and I can't have my phone without the <laughs> eBay app. So... <laughs> I'm still uh, still in the Stone Age well, over here on iOS 6. 
So, okay, my question goes back to the back button. Uh, I know this is very focused, uh, but I mean, that's that's a sort of pattern that has even existed on Android before, where it's really just an indication with an icon and then just text. And I, I haven't heard too much griping on uh, the side of Android developers or users that it's a terrible interaction. So, I mean, just because it's different for iOS, is it necessarily a, a worse interaction than having a literal button? Well, frankly, people with Android phones are so used to horrible interactions that they're not going to complain about much. <laughs> but, no, so here's the thing. I think that Koi Vin's observations about the back button are very smart and very on point. And one of the things he points out that I think is also really important is that he notes that the best designed apps that he'd ever used use that sort of same structure of the back button, which is to say a shape that clearly indicates how much area you can tap on with your thumb. And the shape also very clearly indicates the purpose of the button because it's got the embedded back arrow shape. Uh, And then with the word telling you where you're going to go whenever you press that button, that structure was included in all sorts of apps and restyled to be flat or restyled to be whatever style of the app that whatever style the app had and the, the brand and tone that was embedded in that app. But they sort of took that structure because it was an understood thing and it was a, a beautiful solution to a fairly complex problem, which is how do you handle going back to the previous screen in all the different contexts that appear within an app or within an entire operating system. And the, the fact that people took that design pattern and sort of ran with it, I think, is evidence of how much of a trendsetter Apple really is, not just on their own platform, but on interface design in general. And I guess one of my bigger concerns is that little details like the back button is a very compact, very simple example, maybe something that you know hasn't gotten all the attention it deserves yet from the designers, but that's the kind of thing that people are going to start emulating. And whatever Apple does is what every other app designer mm-hmm. and developer is going to start doing. And I, I worry that these solutions that require you to, to know the gesture or to know where you came from or that are simple and elegant and take out the you know quote-unquote unnecessary information are actually going to cripple people a little bit. I, I think you know. I feel like the the back button, like you know, while it's an interesting observation, it does like the reality is the function hasn't changed all that much. But I think the bigger thing is that it, that's that's the behavior of a lot of buttons on the device is that buttons are being replaced by type, and maybe that's that's kind of the bigger question is like, have we kind of trained people for long enough, or or you know, like has Apple trained people for long enough that you know these certain things are buttons and these certain things are not that. It's acceptable behavior to remove the the hit area around it, even though that hit area might still be there. I think that's kind of the more interesting thing to look at. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, from my own perspective, WikiWeb, which is one of our apps, has, you know, you can read a Wikipedia page and then it's got a toolbar along the bottom of like a back and a forward button and a search button and various tools. There's five icons. And from day one, we decided to make that bar down at the bottom as light as possible so it doesn't have a, a full line separating it from the content it has a sort of faded out line and then there's a sort of slight shadow that separates it from the content but it's not like a clear separate bar it's on the same color we didn't want it to be overbearing and part of that meant that we didn't have buttons that had the icons in them we just have these sort of icons floating in white space it, it's still that way to this day it's the way we designed it from day one it's the way we want the app to look but still being the person that largely designed and helped build and was there for the entire creation of this app, I still have weird anxiety about tapping the little icon because I can't, there's not that confirmation of there's this big button around it that I know if I press that, it's going to activate. There's still a little twinge of, oh, we got to be very precise. Got to get my, 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 you know, finger very pointy to get that little tiny icon. Even though I know there's a hit area of just as much area around it as there will be if there was a button, there's still that little, and those are the little like subtle things I'm talking about that I think are some of the biggest changes actually with iOS 7. Sure, I, I totally agree. The thing that comes to my mind that I often question is, are, are those things that we've trained ourselves to do, especially as designers or engineers, thinking that something that has to have a button around it on an interface, or is that something that's eventually going to get broken anyways through time? Because that is a trend that we've had uh, through web design and through interface design for, at this point, decades. And is this a point where Apple is trying to change that? And are they actually going to succeed or are they going to fail just because there isn't like a, a, a colored bounding thing around the icon? I don't know. And that, that's the thing is it's hard to say that any of these things are going to sink the ship. You know, I mean, overall, I think iOS 7, the things that are better outweigh the things that are, are worse. 
in, in my perspective. I think it's a, an improvement. It's a step forward. And I'm glad to see Apple, you know, iterating and actually making big changes into their product, which is, is I think, a good thing. But I don't know. It's just I don't want to let the details go because, you know, in favor of seeing the, the forest for the trees. I, I um. I think actually on a touch device, that hit area, that button shape is a lot more important than it is in the web. On the web, you have your little mouse, which again, the web on a computer, not a touch device. Um, you have your little mouse, which has, you know, this perfect precision, you know, exactly which pixel you're going to be clicking on. And you could afford somewhat smaller hit areas, though very small ones still cause them anxiety of trying to get a little mouse in the perfect spot. Uh, and more importantly, you can on hover, which is a, a access of something you have on a, a desktop that you don't have on a touch device, you can indicate how something is going to behave. So we, we don't have hover states on touch devices. All we have is when the finger is on it or when it's not on it. And the finger is inherently a, a less precise mechanism. It's, you know, not perfect. So I, I think that the hit area actually and the, the button shape and the idea of the size of the thing you're trying to hit actually is like really important for like your animal brain in terms of confirming that you're doing the right thing and making you feel at ease and effortless in moving through an application. You know, that makes me think about previous conversations we've had about like the original style of the link on the web of just like blue text with an underline where it's essentially just saying like, here's an indication of where to click. But I mean, you make a good point about the fact that you literally like the design of a cursor comes down to a pixel. It's pretty clear where you're clicking, but that's not really so clear with a with a touch device. And I tend to agree that, you know, maybe you need some sort of indication of where your big fat finger can can, you know, miss a little bit. You know, you notice on iOS 7 that they haven't removed the area around a letter on a keyboard because I think actually that's I think that was one of the biggest pieces of anxiety about the device from the beginning was whether my thumbs are going to be able to type on this keyboard with all these little tiny touchscreen keys. That's a great example, Matt. Yep. Yep. And, you know, the fact that they haven't abandoned that means they well, either they acknowledge that that is a problem or that they are, they uh, forgot about it, which I don't think is the case. Despite, the, I no, mean, I know yeah. we've talked about the seven month period, which I have to say, like, it's pretty goddamn amazing to re, you know, redesign an entire operating system in seven months. Like, yeah. you know, if you if you had, I don't care who your team is, if you had, if that was your task, I think we'd all have fucked up far more. So, <laughs> I feel like it's like I understand we're talking about it, like you brought it in for critique, and we're talking about what's here, but you know, it's hard to not acknowledge that having been. You know, having had to do far, far smaller things in a period of time like that. But it's worth acknowledging that the keyboard is still basically the same keyboard. And even even down to like putting a little shadow behind the key to acknowledge a physical key. No, I think that's a perfect example. I I can imagine that the, you know, perfectly iOS 7 keyboard would just be like a translucent, you know, pane of shower glass that has the letters, you know, on it in this nice grid, and you just tap on the letters you want. That that would be much more stylistically in line with what else we're seeing within the interface. But I think it's obvious that doing that to the keyboard is a bridge too far. You're you're taking that paradigm of we don't need outlines or hit areas anymore. And now that you're packing, you know, eight or nine keys across the width of the the screen, it is very apparent that you do need those hit areas. And I mean, I, I can literally I can remember having that exact conversation with my father. <laughs> about you know him not changing from a blackberry because he doesn't have the physical keyboard and he doesn't think his thumbs are going to work on the screen it took him i don't know maybe five years after the like the launch of of touchscreen phones to to even give it a shot i think i think that that is a real thing that people worry about no absolutely and also to like the the power user point i think that most people that have an iPhone and know how the keyboard works don't even bother looking at their fingers anymore because they know the autocomplete is going to fix it as long as you generally hit the keyboard in the right areas, it's going to spell the words you're intending. And that use case is totally conducive to this magical keyboard with no outlines and just letters sort of floating in the ether that would actually be much closer to the use case of this because you know you're not trying to hit the exact key, you're just trying to hit in the general vicinity of the right letter and you know iOS is going to figure out what word you meant. So I, I, the keyboard, I think, is a really interesting... I don't know, remnant of the older methodology that still remains, I think. to, to and, and that's the thing, though. Like, the things that, like, that would be a huge problem to, I think, take the, the hit areas off of the keys on the keyboard. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you could get away with taking it off of the other buttons without it obviously being a huge problem, I think might be a, a small problem that, you know, people like your dad, Matt, and, and my mom are going to be 
confused by and, and feel less confident about in their weight. That is the thing that it, actually that's a, I think it's worth noting. It's not being confused by; it's being less confident. Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. It. And I think that's actually really important because saying somebody is confused by something uh, diminishes, like, kind of d- diminishes the person you're talking about a little bit. I'm not trying um, to. I think your dad's no, a wonderful no, guy. Not, My mom is super smart. But actually, that's yeah. I don't. I don't think about it until I attach it to a real person, and I think, well, you know. My dad's better than most things uh, in life than I am, so I'm not going to pretend like just because he doesn't really care for the the touch keyboard that that you know somehow diminishes his ability as a person. It's no, just exactly. That it's it's the lack of confidence in the device and and his ability to use the device, not like a confusion about the, what it is. And that honestly is the the best thing about the iPad that I, that I had ever. The whole device, the whole product, everything about it. I think the, the best thing about the whole thing is that like my mother, who smart lady. Uh, didn't grow up with computers, obviously, but you know, kind of savvy. She still gets, you know, has problems with any desktop computer, any laptop. I still get phone calls and text messages of this thing happened. What do I do? I don't know what to click. How do I get here? Blah blah blah. But we got her an iPad for her birthday, like two years ago or something, and you know, I never heard a peep from her about anything she didn't know how to do. And what it really is is that if you're on a computer and you're comfortable with computers, you're comfortable just like plunging in and pressing buttons and figuring out what the problem is. And if you are uncomfortable if you're inherently you know not confident in the machine in the system then you're not going to press anything you're just going to sit there and stare and say i don't know what to do and the thing that ipad does the best is it makes everybody almost everybody that uses it totally comfortable in just pressing things and holding on this and trying some gestures and trying to figure out what it is that will make the, the computer do what they wanted to do and that is some of the stuff i think we might be losing with with the ios 7 redesign yeah, that kind of you can't break me feeling. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that. Do you think that's going to be the case? Like the the fact that it maybe because it looks. I guess it looks a little bit more technical, and the fact that it looks a little bit more technical makes you think that you could do something wrong. I I don't know. I mean, there's a good there's a good chance that we're just being designers and overthinking this and blowing it out of proportion. Yeah. And that people are just adaptable and they'll figure it out. But this feels closer to me to. You know, what we've seen Windows been doing with Metro, it feels closer to Android interfaces that I've seen. It feels closer to, to Apple's competition than it feels to Apple. And part of that is just that iOS is like what I learned to design for mobile on. It's like my home base for everything. Mm-hmm. So any little change in that I'm very like sensitive to. But it does feel just like less obvious and less confidence inducing in, in the user. And those are really important traits and the things that are really hard to measure. They're things that are really hard to you know, put on the, the whiteboard and say, this is what we're trying to design for. But that's some of the magical stuff about it. I mean, that's, it's worth noting with some of the new gesture, uh, gesture-based things is that um, there is more opportunity for you to kind of do something you didn't mean to do. The fact that you can have swipe from the top, swipe from the bottom, swipe from the, the, even just on the lock screen, you can do all those things. And you can swipe for the camera in a very specific place means that you have a lot of opportunity to pull down a menu you don't know how you got to. Uh, and at that point, some people are already lost. So that that is where you can lose a little confidence. But it's it is it is iterative. Like we do have notification center now. We do have some of these other. Th- you know, we don't have the uh, pull down for the bottom. I, I wonder if that if that scares any people off, or you know, we're, like you said, we're getting a little bit worried about it. And the important thing about those accidental gestures or arriving somewhere you didn't intend to go, are that you can easily undo that action and say, oops, I didn't mean to swipe. Let me get back. And those are the things that are not entirely clear yet for me because I haven't used iOS 7, you know, constantly. But as long as you can get back from all those actions and pulling down the wrong way is fine. You just, you know, do the opposite and you're back to where you were, back to home base. I think people will learn and will still have a sense of of curiosity about the about the that the operating system and a sense of exploration. But mm-hmm. as soon as you do something and then the way to get back is not obvious, not immediately clear, not intuitive then all of a sudden you're back in the world of like Windows, Windows 95. And it's like a fucking nightmare for anybody who doesn't really like computers and doesn't really like get deep involved in this stuff. Yeah, right. I, I will say that I feel like us as designers, we're probably overreacting just a little bit. I mean, we're so critical and we're so sensitive to a lot of these little changes. Like you said, Andy, I just feel like a lot of that is just our gut reactions rather than something that's probably going to happen in real life. And, and the reason I think of that is, you know, like if there was the, the accidental gesture to open up the control center from the bottom of the screen, I mean, it still shows uh, the dissipated, the content below it, and also shows a little bit of the content above it to show that this is a thing that's lying on top of what you were current or previously viewing. 
just a second ago. And that's so, I mean, great. I love that. Yeah, and there's there's still so much context in the way that they did things through the visual design to show those layers, even though they're still layered on top of each other. I mean, that's, that's fantastic from that perspective. And I do feel like um, a lot of the accidental stuff they're trying to get away from, because, I mean, it, I still work on a, an iPhone 4, so it has a smaller screen. But the iPhone 5, just because it is taller, it provides fewer chances for a user to accidentally go from you know like the control center all the way at the bottom uh, at the very tip of the or bottom of the screen and then from the notification center at the top i mean there's just so much more area to interact with that there's fewer chances for them to for to do that and even going back before that um talking about the like the the, the different interactions between like computers and then these touch devices i do feel like there is more more confidence in people taking these actions and feeling okay with making mistakes is entirely because of the, the input device. I mean, if you're on a, uh, like a, a traditional computer with a mouse or a trackpad or whatever, there is a degree of removal be- between you as, uh, you interacting with an input device and the feedback that you get on the screen. There is a level of separation, but with touch devices, you're touching the thing that you're interacting with. So I feel like even though there might be a visual change, maybe in the back button or the way that you uh, uh, target certain buttons elsewhere on the, the interface, those are still tappable areas, which is something that's still more, way more natural for people to interact with. So I just feel like because it is a different input, it is more a direct input for users that they will, no matter what, feel more comfortable with it. I think that's half of it. And the other half is that, you know, a larger screen and that some of the UIs were more, we're more used to in terms of uh, uh, desktop computers are just more complex in general. So, you know, it's, it's a combination of the fact that yes, you're, you're, you're less removed, but also there's just so many more things going on in my, my Mac OS X device than iOS seven or, or even six device. Well, sure. But if you think about like the normal person who isn't in Photoshop or any of these more complex programs and somebody that might just deal with word processing or browsing the internet, their email, some of the basic stuff, I mean, they're going to be doing practically the same thing, whether on a, a desktop PC or on a touch device, whether it's an Android or an iOS device or whatever. And because those functions are very much the same, is it just the perception of how those things are on the desktop compared to the touch device? Well, no, I'm saying if you if you start from square one on both of those devices, it's just a far steeper learning curve for a lot of the UIs that we're used to on desktop devices. That's um, true. Well, be- and, and I think Dan's right. I think a part of that is that learning a desktop interface is two parts. It's learning the actual interface itself, and it's also learning the, the tools you have to use to interact with it, which is to say the keyboard and the mouse for most computers. That and, I agree with, yes. And, and, and a mouse, is, mouse seems simple to us, and it seems simple to anybody that grew up with a computer, but really a mouse is a pretty complicated thing. You have regular clicking, you have right clicking, you have control clicking, you have clicking and dragging, you have all these quite complex interactions that are all facilitated by a pretty simple you know, click action. Uh, and, and those are the kind of things that it's, if you've ever watched an old person or tried to help somebody that's not comfortable with computers try and do something you consider simple, those are some of the hangups very often. Actually, when I was, when I was maybe uh, 14, 15, 16, I taught a class of senior citizens, teaching them how to use computers. Amazing. I don't know why this never came up before. This is a very interesting study of interaction with design. <laughs> this is a very, very podcastable story. Yeah. But the hardest thing was teaching the double click. Not because it's hard to understand what double click means, but just the 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 pace that we're used the to rhythm. clicking on. Yeah, exactly. There is a rhythm to it. It's like it's like phone num- number rhythm or something. Like it seems obvious once you've been doing it for a while, mm-hmm. but it's not. It's not necessarily so obvious if you haven't been using it before. And the idea of of this this seemingly natural interaction to us was is actually really difficult to teach for a while. I would kind of literally have to do it a couple of times for each person, and sometimes like t- take a couple of days. Of, of repeating it to, to get it just right because it would be like click click and you're like no click click you're like click click it's not so obvious mm-hmm. and and that rhythm actually golden ratio people don't know that but that's what that is are you fucking with us because you hate the golden ratio <laughs> of course or? i'm fucking with you how would yeah. that be the golden ratio it makes no <laughs> i have no sense. idea but some but you know that there's a way that you could put that into a presentation and somebody would be like oh it is oh yeah no yeah. exactly no so anyway i think that those the fact that, that you're not directly interacting with the thing, you have this conduit, this middleman, is much more complex than some people give it credit for, which is why a lot of people struggle with computers. That's just the reality. And and you're right, Dan. Any touch device 
is in is inherently i think more intuitive and more approachable than any device through which you have to have this intermediary but that said part of what makes ios specifically as touch devices better is that they imbue a confidence a uh even if it's a false sense of confidence even if the person really doesn't understand at all what the hell they're doing just the idea that what they do is fine and safe and they're not going to break anything and they can just sort of tap around this wonderland uh, is one of the best things about it. And, and that all comes from the visuals. Really, it does. The visuals and how things react to it. I mean, mm-hmm. how, what you're looking at, what you're seeing on the screen is going to shape how you interact with it and what you poke and where you poke it and how long you poke it. And so these things are really important, I think. And there's a good chance we're overreacting and there's, I don't know, there's a good chance that we're not overreacting. I don't know, it's hard to tell, but my my eye as a designer and my experience tells me that a few of these things you're right matt it is it's a philosophical shift i think part of that feels like a philosophical shift people aren't talking about too much is that it's away from people that may not be comfortable with computers or touch devices already right and that is huge but i you know i do think that that's kind of a necessary evolution at some point and we've seen apple do it a million times they are willing to cut off at a certain point and say you people here we're leaving you in the dust and we're moving forward because this is the future. Mm-hmm. And they may it win happens. entirely new customers because of that. You know, who knows? Yeah. This episode of On the Grid is sponsored by Weapons of Mass Creation Fest. Weapons of Mass Creation is an art, design, and music festival featuring 20 speakers, 20 designers, and over 40 bands. You'll hear inspiring talks on design, art, creativity, and entrepreneurship, and watch featured artists battling head-to-head in Adobe-sponsored Ink Wars. The festival runs August 16th through 18th at Cleveland Public Theater, Cleveland, Ohio. Tickets can be purchased at WMCFest.com. Um, so do do we, I, I maybe want to shift just a little bit because I think we've talked a lot about app, like Apple and their apps and how that's going to affect the user. But now moving into, you know, a little bit more your territory, Andy, how does this affect the developers and how does this affect the apps that are going to start coming out um, mm-hmm. now that we have this kind of lighter... Is it fair to call it kind of like a, a lighter design language or a kind of less forceful design language? Or is it just the illusion of a less forceful design language and we're actually going to see this kind of take off as a style uh, no, I mean, rather I, I, than I think an implementation. It, I think it is very different. I think a iOS 6 app, your typical iOS 6 app, does look very out of place on the home screen and, and in iOS 7. I think that we will see a lot of these design choices waterfall down and, and trickle down to other developers. Uh, we're, we're definitely thinking about, we're, we're going to update WikiWeb when iOS 7 comes out to be more iOS 7e. And what that'll probably, I mean, honestly, our apps, I'm, I'm proud to say our apps are already kind of there because we were kind of always straddling that aesthetic of wanting to be usable and clear, but not wanting to be so heavy on the the metaphor. So I think like, for example, Tall Chess, which is our, our latest app came out like, you know, three weeks ago. That's done. We're not going to change anything about that. Yeah, actually, I actually have to say, I've, I've, I've been playing with that a little bit, Andy, and I there's not really anything that has to change about that because it doesn't really adopt any part of the iOS 6 visual language. I mean, obviously it has to adopt some of the things like Game Center and stuff, but um, you seem to have avoided that kind of fortuitously. But also it's just like it makes it makes sense for the app. Yeah, and there's, there's, already, there's actually a few little interactions there too that like, you know, when you're on a game, you can swipe to the right to get back to the main game screen, which that's now a thing you can do in all of iOS. So it's nice that that sort of got picked up and that, that's a very intuitive thing, I think, especially if the game slides it from the right that you can swipe back to get back to it. Mm-hmm. So that one's fine. We'll make a few small stylistic changes to WikiWeb probably uh, just to keep it up to date. Um, the most annoying things, honestly, are the the icons and the, the home screen, just the way it looks. Uh, so they, they change the corner radius on the icons just ever so slightly. And it's so slightly that it just seems like they're just trying to piss people off, quite <laughs> frankly. Um, no, I, I think, I think honestly, they may have done it so the icon would be sort of a, a canary in the coal mine. If you're looking at an icon and the corner radius doesn't match and it looks a little bit off, then you'll know the developer hasn't really updated their apps and kept them up to date for iOS 7. So it may be a way for them to sort of help users identify from 10 feet away which apps are up to date and going to run the best. Uh, but that's annoying. Uh, changing the radius by a little tiny bit is a little bit frustrating. And, and more than that, though, I mean, I, I was hoping we can go this entire conversation without talking about 
the app icons in iOS 7 at all. Um, but specifically in the context of like the home screen, uh, the colors are so bright and the gamma is so high and they're so intense that any other icon that isn't that bright or intense looks by comparison very dull and very boring and pared down. And I, I, I pride myself on our use of color at Friends of the Web and how we're, we try to be very tasteful and you know balanced and everything and never use right out of the tube crazy bright intense colors. And uh, even like the tall chest icon, which is like a bright green and yellow for all intents and purposes, looks dull and dirty compared to the sort of insane 80s neon colors of all the other app icons. And, uh, and that's a real consideration, especially if other apps start to ad- adopt that sort of language. And all of a sudden the app store is full of like, you know, candy, candy colored icons for all the apps. Then, you know, ours are going to look comparatively dull. Um, so and those are the things I've been thinking about and we've been thinking about as, as, a, as a business in terms of changing, which is not huge. It's not going to affect too much. Um, they added a few things to Game Center, which will allow us to add features to Tall Chess that we were avoiding adding because it would have been a lot of technical overhead. So they added some great nitty gritty technical stuff there we're excited about. No, but other than that, it's just going to be small, small design changes. Yeah, I, I guess what I'm, you know, I feel like this is not going to affect you as much, but I wonder what the overall landscape will change to if this if the new ios is kind of like a a device that frees people from their you know previous design habits or if this locks people further into a spot of like this is what an app looks like and you and we're gonna make sure that you know our app looks like everything else in ios 7 or because there's you know it's a little bit lighter and maybe a little less forceful on the way something has to be shaped we're gonna see a little bit more creativity in the design of an application. It has, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it has to be the latter because all the icons that Apple is proposing with this latest iteration, they're so set back. I mean, they're, they're incredibly simple. Most of them are just a very simple gradient with a white icon. That's it. And I just can't imagine every, everybody's going to try to emulate the idea of a gradient and uh, oh, no, a white I, icon. So I'm not talking about icons though. I'm talking about the actual interface of, of applications. Oh. Well, I mean, even at that point, uh, I think just because of how everything else is dressed up, like uh, Control Center and, and all the other different layers, just because they're so simple, it's just, it's to me, it feels like a blank canvas that you get to do whatever that That's you That's what I'm to asking. Do. Like, is it the illusion of a blank canvas or is that actually something that people are going to take and run with? I mean, there's going to be some people who will just take it and run with it, but... There was a very interesting post that uh, Marco made on Marco.org uh, titled Fertile Ground, which was basically his hypothesis that iOS 7 was such a radical change in iOS 7 that all of the old apps that you know are the current king of the hill of various major markets were going to be too slow to respond. They're going to look out of date and feel old very quickly. That it was a great opportunity for like small upstarts to come and take a huge market. So if you've always wanted to have like the to-do list app or the camera app or whatever huge mobile market you're attacking, this would be the time to do it. It's the design in the iOS 7 aesthetic, in this new look and, and style and appearance, and be prepared to launch as iOS 7 comes out, and that'll be a time of like shifting. And I, I'm not convinced of that, but I like to think that way. I, I optimistically would like to think that you know these big old institutions and and the fact of the matter is if you haven't really spent a lot of time looking at the app store and trying to make things for it is that it really is extremely hard to unseat a lot of the earliest applications that hit the app store Mm -hmm. uh like chess free is this fucking super shitty piece of fucking shit chess app (laughs) that sucks so fucking bad and it's got 150,000 reviews and it's the first result for you know chess or free chess in the app store and it will always probably be the first result, as far as I'm concerned, unless they drastically change the, the algorithm for finding apps in the App Store. And it's just so hard to to make a case for a new app in that ecosystem. And so I, I love to think that all of these old things that have been around for five years and have accumulated hundreds of thousands of reviews will only be able to stay around if they are still the best. Uh, and in reality, I don't think that's going to happen just by them changing the design of the operating system and just by some people responding and some people not. I think that would actually require them changing to some degree, the design of the app store and how app discovery is, is made. But uh, but in terms of the developer opinion of iOS 7, I think Fertile Ground is a really optimistic take on it uh, and really interesting to read. Yeah, yeah. I, know, I love the idea of it. I, you, I But your point to chess free, if it's so shitty and terrible and bad, um, means that people aren't really paying all that much attention to the design of the app uh, or even all that the functionality all that much is, as much as it is just an easy-to-find thing. And if that's the case, then I don't really see why 
you know, the the change in operating system matters that much because it's not like it's breaking every app that's designed for iOS 6. It's just um, making them look a little bit stale. But if you already don't care about it, then why does that change? No, yeah. And there's one other app too. I think it's just called chess maybe all caps or something the way that they do the the name selection in the app store is also a little bit strange but this other app was submitted and has not been updated once literally which first of all is just impressive that there were not any bugs that were so significant that it required a a new submission but literally has not been touched it is still just the original build that was uploaded to the app store and it's just i don't know most users don't seem to be aware of of that at all uh and so i don't know we keep telling ourselves as app designers and developers that if we make the the best things the things that are the the newest and the greatest that of course apple would want to show them off like why wouldn't apple want people to find a great chess app instead of a shitty one when they type chess into the app store uh and i don't know the reality is just that i don't know it's very hard to to unseat those sort of mini empires in these different markets i think yeah well it is interesting too just the the fact that time is passing and we've had enough time that um, you have to support that many different platforms, even though they've, you know, obviously Apple's been very good about getting people to upgrade their operating system. You know, we are eventually getting to start to get into the ter- territory, not nearly as bad, but of kind of IE 5.5 running the government of some third world country, right? Like exactly. No, you can't and- possibly ditch, you know, there are some people big enough, they can't possibly ditch them. And it's been long enough that there are a lot of people still on an old operating system. So, it, I mean, I'm sure that is nice for someone to say, I'm going to start fresh and clear and fuck everybody else with an old operating system. No, and, and that that's actually one of Marco's biggest points is that, yes, Apple's upgrade rates are, you know, the best. They're so good. It's really impressive. But still, if you're a giant company like, you know, Spotify or Instagram, you can't just forget all the iOS 6 users because even if that's only 2% of the user base, that's still going to be millions of people for you. Right. So, and I guess one of his biggest points is that you can't design an app that would be at home and, you know look correct on both iOS 6 and iOS 7. And so you're going to have to choose at a certain point. And so I, I, I don't know. I think it's just an interesting approach. And man, do I hope the App Store has that sort of uh, Phoenix-like turnover where all of the old shitty apps just burn and no one ever uses them <laughs> ever again. Like lighting the forest on fire and, and starting fresh. Exactly. Burn to yeah. the ground. Yep. Fire. has been on the grid episode 37 you can email the show mail at on the grid.co call us 973 on grid 2 tweet to hashtag on the grid you can submit a link for us to talk about on the show on the grid.reddit.com if you enjoy the show please review it on itunes thanks to girlfriends for the music thanks to you for listening until next week <laughs>